0: Coming up, the Dodgers are the official winners of the 2024 MLB offseason. We cover all of their free agency signings and all their trades, as well as all the other big signings and trades going on across MLB so far this winter. We also quickly recap the all MLB teams announced in December, and we give a full breakdown of the 2024 Hall of Fame ballot. Who do we think is going to make it into Cooperstown? And which 10 guys would we vote for? Find out all that and more coming up right now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This
1: is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 120. Alex and I—we're coming to you live. It is MLK Day, January 15th. AJ, we've—I uh, guess we've been in uh, you know limbo mode for the last month, but holidays came and gone. Uh, you know football's been on aj uh, yep. we've our, our minds have been distracted elsewhere but it's good to get back into the swing of things the first recording of the uh of the podcast for 2024 so cheers to you there and uh i guess today aj we'll talk about a lot of the news that's been happening the uh the big trades the big free agency signings the extensions uh not too much has gone on in the mlb world there have been some pretty interesting trades and some moves but, uh, you know, ever since the last episode with Shohei Otani signing, not too, too much uh, has gone on in, in the baseball world. I know a lot of fans are hoping to get some big free free agency news over the next coming weeks and months before we get into uh, spring training. And Alex, we're, I mean, we're only about one month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So it's it's coming up quickly. It's it's uh, the offseason has really uh, blown by us. But uh, we'll go into some depths on that. We'll talk about the all MLB team that was released about one month ago. And then the main focus too, we're going to get into is just the 2024 Hall of Fame ballot voting, which is going to be happening in one week. We're going to talk about the guys that have been on the ballot for, you know, more than one season or more than one year, guys that maybe have their last chance on getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, and then talk about the first year ballot guys and just see where our heads are at and what we see happening in uh in about one week with the votes and who we see uh being announced into Cooperstown this summer in July. But we'll get into all that, Alex. Let's talk about the free agency news so far that's been happening. I mean, the one team I'll start off with first, I mean, they've won the they've won the offseason, Alex. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have picked up, of course, Shohei Otani. That was in the last episode, but they've also added so many good names i mean we'll start off with the trade that happened with the tampa bay rays they pick up tyler glass now and manuel margot they then extend tyler glass now i think to a five year about 130 mil uh don't know the entirety of the uh of the spending or the uh the paycheck that uh that tyler glass now got but he got a good extension from the dodgers then they land the biggest international signing of the offseason um it's Yamam- gonna it's Yamamoto. gonna butcher me the first name. I know it's Yamamoto. Yeah, <laughs> I've just been calling him by his last name. But um, they land him to a record setting AJ. I think it was like three hundred and twenty five million dollars for twelve seasons. I've never seen uh, that so far from from a uh, a foreign pitcher coming to the MLB. That is the first. I think that's the that's the biggest contract with a pitcher coming over from Japan or coming over from Korea. Uh, so that of course is amazing in itself and you know they're not done yet they go out and get a very good bat in Teoscar Hernandez someone that I was not expecting to get paid that much but he gets a one-year 23 million dollar contract from the Dodgers Alex so far they have just been one of the busiest ball clubs of the offseason and with money that I think a lot of us are wondering where is it coming from but uh, what's your take so far on the Dodgers? What, what do you what do you make of all this spending? What, is it is it something that maybe you're? Believe me, it's not our money, Alex, but is it something that you're looking at down the road and saying, man, like, what's going to happen with all this money on the books? Like, you know, with Shohei, I, I know that's gotten some news in um, in in the political news because of tax uh, reasons. So that was something that was brought up about one week ago with California senators coming together and saying we don't know about this deferment is it 100% legal? Is it something that could hurt us in, you know, 10 years when Shohei Otani's contract is up? It's funny that all that attention is now being brought to uh, the baseball world that, you know, we really never expected that to happen, but uh what do you make of everything, Alex? What do you make of the entire Dodgers offseason and 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 just the money being spent?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked me this question. Uh one of the things I have written here actually is I just put down Dodgers were serious when they decided to kind of reset their payroll last off season and not make any huge uh, signings and just sort of, you know, get under the luxury tax and just sort of reset things. Um, when they said that that was their plan, they definitely had a plan in place to capitalize and spend big this off season. They are definitely doing that um, and they're doing it in a really meaningful way by signing guys who are going to help them win now and win in the future. Like you mentioned The Ochani deal is long-term. The Yamamoto deal is long-term. Glass now got extended. Um, And then the Teoscar Hernandez deal, it's quite pricey, like you said, and it's a one-year deal, but there is deferred money in that deal as well. I think Yamamoto does not have any deferred money, but um, it is... It is uh, Teoscar Hernandez deferred, Otani deferred. And actually, I read that I think Betts and Freeman both have deferred money in their deal. Wow. It's not like Otani's where it's like the strong majority of the money is deferred, but there is some amount deferred. And I think this whole this whole system they're doing, Travis, is allowing for them to kind of uh, be more competitive now. And I don't think it's going to really come back to bite them that much. That That's my opinion. I could be wrong about that. You know, we'll see what happens Um
1: I guess in, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in like 2035 when yeah when maybe maybe with that deferment I don't know what Freeman and Belts money is looking like I know Freeman is going to be off the books but I don't know what Belt bets. but if you got 80 plus million dollars to guys that aren't even on the team anymore that'd be kind of uh that that would be big for that for that uh that that balance sheet
0: right yeah but I think that like I mean that, so let's just say it's about 15 years from now um, 12, 12 to 15 years from now, um, if you think about 12 to 15 years ago, we'll just like round off and say yep. like 2010, 2010 money, things that we thought were crazy in 2010 are not that crazy these days, you Correct, know? Yeah. So there's definitely a chance that, you know, whether it be inflation or whether it be the fact that, um, the market is just kind of different, you know, like, I mean, Charles, I remember in the NBA, like 10 or 15 years ago, like the, biggest contracts were like 30 something million a year. And now they're already like guys are already on the books for 60 million yeah. in, in NBA. Yep. So it's like the, the the rate at which um money per year can grow in these sports is pretty crazy. So if, if Dodgers are paying, I don't know, let's just say like 75 million to guys who are not even on their team anymore, that might not be that big of a number in, in, in 10 plus years. So, um you know, we'll see w- when the time does come, but I think what the Dodgers are doing to kind of secure, um in in one way the Japanese fan base by trying to build a winner around the two biggest uh Japanese players that are currently uh playing in MLB in Yamamoto and Otani I think that's a really big strategic move that's going to bring in probably more money than than it's going to cost them Uh, and I think obviously the things that they're doing in terms of building a winner is uh it's obviously very well thought out and well-planned. They're bringing in uh, talent that you know fits their needs. Teoscar Hernandez, definitely a very good outfield bat. Um, could even be using a platoon role. It's a lot of money for a platoon guy, so I don't yes. think they're going to be using him just like that. But he is someone who can um, you know play a lot of meaningful at-bats and then get pinch hit for if things aren't going a certain way. But um, And then also Manuel Margot is going to fit a role there as well. The thing with the Dodgers, they have so much young talent that um, I'm not super worried about them being like, oh, they're spending too much on the stars. Um, Who's going to fill in the gaps? I think they already have that kind of covered and figured out. They have so many good young players. Um, They do send out Ryan Pepio um, to Tampa Bay, who I think is already... I mean, whenever a Tampa Bay wants someone and, and, and they, yeah. they go out and get him in a trade, I automatically think that, hey, this is going to be a very big um deal for them. I, I can already see him. I think he had a great growth in his like ability to locate the ball. Um, So I think that I'm already kind of counting on him to... Um, He'll
1: have a 2.1 ERA by July next year, I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah,
0: if he's going to start the year in the rotation, then I'm pretty sure... Um, You know, they're going to get good things out of him. And then uh, I'm just looking at um, there's plenty of other prospects in the Dodgers system that are going to either have an impact this year or in the coming seasons. I'm not really I'm not really worried about their depth. Um, They're going to get a full season of Lux. They hope Uh, he's someone who they missed out last year. And they still were able to be really successful without him last year. So adding him back into the mix could be big. Um, I heard Betts will be a full-time second baseman, which is going to be a fun thing to see. Uh, I think that they have just too much talent um, at the very top level in terms of star power and at the lower level in terms of who's coming up next uh, to where I'm not super concerned about them saying, you know... um, How are they going to pay this money off going forwards? I think that they're going to have enough uh, extra money coming in and enough young, cheap uh, contributors to kind of keep things rolling. So that's kind of where I stand on them at the moment. But um, yeah, do do you sort of foresee them kind of running like so last year it was really like a Braves focused. NL like the Braves are kind of the team yeah. to beat it felt like and then of course then the playoff they did get beat but um do you think the Dodgers are going to be that team in the NL and MLB next year
1: I think absolutely uh with the roster they've got right now Alex I mean I think when spring training starts I know I'm sure spring training games are already sold out in uh for the Dodgers right now but yeah it, it's definitely pointing that way that they are going to be the team to run the NL um I always see all these tweets and uh and memes you know with 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 them winning 120 games, and then the Milwaukee Brewers come in and and you know take take them in five or something like that in the uh in the National League Division Series. But it, w- one th- big thing is you know looking back at the, the Teoscar Hernandez deal, which that, that was one of the biggest ones that surprised me. I know also Yamamoto, that one surprised me. You know, giving a guy 325 million dollars to um, to someone that's never pitched in the majors that that is that is surprising for some people. But with um with the advanced stats and what he's done, I think he. I mean, Alex, I think he had like a one point three era in japan so even if that doubles you're still getting a 2.6 era in the majors and that's still going to be a guy that's going to be up for a cy young every single year so yeah the money does make sense in some ways but uh looking at tasker hernandez one year 23 million dollars that's really going to affect the um, the market for position players, for outfielders, and also for DHs. This is a guy that last year had a 2.1 war, 26 homers, batted under 260, and had an OPS plus at 106. There are plenty of guys on the market right now that had better hitting seasons last year and have a better war. They're going to be looking at that deal and say, hey, give me a one year deal and I want 25 mil. So that that's what really caught my eye is how that's going to affect all these other position players because there's a lot of position guys that are still um still in the market that still have not signed reese hoskins you know the first baseman for the phillies from uh a season ago uh, i know he was hurt all of last year but he's a guy that's going to be probably wanting some some you know reassurance there and someone who's probably gonna be wanting more than a one year deal of course but there's a lot of guys like jock peterson like jorge soler like jd martinez uh, that are looking at that and saying, hey, you know, I should be getting a, a a good amount of money now as well, too. And so now guys that I thought were going to be earning, you know, somewhere between eight and 14 million dollars are now going to be earning probably somewhere north of 18 million or, or 24 million dollars, somewhere in that range. So it definitely does shake up that market, which is uh, surprising. And one of the Dodgers were saying, you know, that's our checkmate, like we're just going to we're, we have all this money we're just going to get overpay this one guy and that's going to really affect the outfield market and also the uh the dh market because i know teoscar will be DHing uh sometimes next year he is a uh a left-handed pitcher uh, or, or he specializes in, in hitting off left-handed pitchers so uh he's someone that's going to be a platoon role in the outfield as well as at the dh spot but um that I, that's my take so far with what they've done so this offseason it's it's been remarkable
0: yeah um it's a good point about the fact that I feel like the Dodgers may have shocked the market in certain ways in, Definitely. in, in terms of it's it's we've not seen a quick um, we've not seen a quick uh, follow up after the Otani deal. Like I think a lot of people thought once Otani signs it'd be like the first domino and everything else would fall into place. It's not really been that you know Otani signed and then the Dodgers got Yamamoto and everyone's like whoa like if Yamamoto's getting 12 year deals Blake Snell is probably like, hey, like, where's my like eight year deal, yes. you know? And yep. then like, like you said, like a guy like J.D. Martinez says, hey, I think I'm a much better hitter in my mind than Teoscar Hernandez. I I shouldn't be selling for a one year deal, you know? So, I think things like that come to uh, maybe some different free agents' mind when they are uh, trying to negotiate with some of these teams and seeing some of these other contracts but one last thing in the dodgers travis before i move on um i completely forgot about this until we started rolling the episode but they did trade michael bush Mm -hmm. um and that and that's something that uh i'm not sure many dodger fans saw coming per se they traded michael bush and yancy almonte to the cubs in exchange for jackson ferris as well as another um Another, I think, an outfielder named uh, Zaheer Hope. Um, but anyways, Jackson Ferris is who the Dodgers get in return. He, I think, was in high A ball, and he is a left-handed pitcher who grades out very well with the fastball. Um, I think he gets the high velocity. He um, it looks like, I mean, I'm just looking at off-scouting reports. He's not really projected to contribute for a few years here, but Um, when the Dodgers target a young guy who's 6'4", starting pitcher, you know, I can already tell this guy's going to contribute in a few years um, in a big way, especially if they're willing to part ways with the guy that's been in their system, highly rated, um, like Bush for so long. Um, Ferris is already ranked, according to MLB prospect rankings, he's ranked uh, fifth for them, which is above some guys who have been in their system for a while. Like, he's above Andy Pages, right below Gavin Stone. So I think that, uh, you know... The Dodgers uh, prospects are in a really good spot still, despite um, sending some guys out like Bush. Bush is someone who maybe some Dodger fans might have thought could contribute this upcoming season. Bush did not have a great year last year. At the big league level, he uh, hit 167, uh, below 300 and on base and in slugging. But that was just in uh, 27 games, only 81 played appearances. Um, Obviously, a lot to still prove. Uh, Bush in triple a last year uh crushed the ball over a 300 average over a 400 on base over a 600 slugging and the year before that in double a over 300 average over 400 on base over 600 slugging Mm -hmm. so just a a real master of the ball um probably will be playing lots of corner infield and dh uh pretty low defensive grades on bush so he's going to be going to the cubs and i've heard that he already is kind of being penciled into their starting uh uh infield equation for this coming season i I read somewhere online on twitter probably that um they see him as like maybe the everyday first baseman could play some third base Hmm. maybe some dh so we'll see how that pans out but um to me travis i really like uh, it's really fun at least when a team is willing to part ways with someone who's really high on their prospect rankings it's kind of like oh like do the dodgers see something they don't like with bush you know like maybe they see something with his swing where they think he's not going to be able to
1: and what was he playing like third and second He's,
0: he's playing third, um, and he's playing some DH, I believe. I think he was kind of moving on the infield a little bit. Yeah. But, um, seeing someone like him, at the, you know, the Dodgers got their first chance last year to see him against MLB pitching at that high level. Um, he had a lot of strikeouts, you know, a lot of swing and miss there. So maybe they saw something they saw something they didn't like, or maybe they just see so much that they do like in uh, the picture. They targeted Jackson Ferris, the lefty. So, um. Guy, Travis, it always blows my mind seeing you know, like Jackson Ferris. He was born in two thousand four. I mean, we're getting over, we're, we're we're getting old over I here. Know. But um, yeah, that's when I just wanted to throw it out there as like a fun little bit of news for the Dodgers. As much as they're doing right now to make their team in twenty twenty four as good as it can be, they also are adding uh, to kind of reinforce the prospects they will have. Starting pitchers coming up in the next uh, few seasons that will continue to contribute and, and kind of reinforce the youth of that team so a a lot to like if you're a dodgers fan with this offseason it's just going to come down again to can they get it done um in october because i have no doubts they'll be there right yeah yeah, of course we have no doubts that they're gonna either win the division or put up some sort of um monstrous team performance in the regular season yeah
1: they they without a doubt they are easy locked for october right now it's just a matter of you know putting together the product uh, in in postseason baseball to help you win. I think it's, what, 11 games, and and you could be crowned World Series champs. But last thing I'll touch on for them, it's just funny to look at. Last year, we were really talking about the Dodgers starting rotation. It just wasn't healthy. It wasn't as productive as it was in years past. I mean, Alex, I think in 2022, they had the best team ERA in, in, in MLB history, something like that. It was starting rotation was historic, and you just looked at it and said – this isn't really I, I it's it's good pitchers but it's not it's not Verlander or Scherzer on the Mets you know it's it's not Hall of Fame pitchers or at right. least guys that look like Hall of Fame pitchers but you know right now last season you had Clayton Kershaw he is likely not to come back uh, unless he does sign a weird funky deal with the Dodgers but again he is not going to be playing uh, or at least starting ball games until most likely July or August so there's a chance we could see Clayton Kershaw not even partake in the 2024 season. He could just be a free agent all year long. You had Bobby Miller, who was a very good high um, high prospect in the Dodgers system. He came up last year, had a very good um, rookie season, or at least a good 22 starts, a 3.76 ERA, but he was definitely penciled in to be in this rotation julio urias with the off the field issues you just didn't you couldn't count on that to be in the rotation this year i don't know what's going on with tony gonsolin or dustin may i think one of them had to get tommy john again i think it was dustin may but oh
0: yeah it looks like it looks like gonsolin had tommy john surgery in september
1: 1st okay so he'll be out all next year and it looks
0: like dustin may Flexor tendon surgery uh last July. Don't know what the time out is going to be on that, but obviously both injured. Yeah.
1: Yes, and so th- there were definitely question marks with them. You have Michael Grove, who had an ERA above six last year. Not really a guy you can depend on. You have Emmett Sheehan, who again, you're, you're kind of seeing what he can be like. uh You got pitchers. I mean, no, Shelby Miller made one start, but you got Ryan Pepio, who I know was traded, but you definitely had a lot of question marks. And I remember that was the big thing um when they signed Shohei and everyone was thinking oh the Dodgers are probably done now and my thought and and, you know what I was thinking was man this this rotation still doesn't look that good I mean it, it needs some help well then what do you know they go out there and trade for glass now they then acquire Yamamoto Walker Buehler is coming back. Those are three big additions for the 2024 staff. So right now I'm looking at it now, Alex, and saying, man, like this rotation is so much improved. And then in 2025 you should have Shohei Otani added to that rotation. So it's it's really it's really awesome what to see for the Dodgers. If you're a Dodgers fan for the next coming years, uh, what it's going to be like. Not only is the lineup very good, the rotation just got a lot better as well. And I'm sure they're going to try to add on more guys. Uh, in the next coming years to add on to uh to this rotation or also what they do best just bring up guys from the minors who are automatic stars it feels like or guys that can be very impactful so that's the last thing i'll touch on for the dodgers alex they they they've it seems like right now they have um no questions asked they've won the off season i know years yeah. past it's always been the Padres. This year, it seems like the Dodgers are going to be this uh, this offseason's uh, champion, I guess, so far with the moves they've made. And that's always fun to see is a, is a front office that's willing to get better and spend the money to make your team uh you know more attractive but
0: and, and, and i'm looking at their their projected roster next year on Fangraphs, just like every, all the pieces they have in place at the moment assuming they don't even sign anyone else yes and it's looking just like one of the better rosters i feel like we've seen in recent years in our lifetime honestly like the one through nine as uh, projected is to be like Betts, otani freeman will smith then muncie outman Tasker hernandez Jason Hayward and Gavin Lux as your starting nine bench will have Barnes Miguel Rojas Chris Taylor Emmanuel Margot um, starting five Yamamoto Glass now Walker Bueller Bobby Miller Emmett Sheehan and 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 Travis the bench I'm sorry the the bullpen I actually really do like Evan Phillips had a really good year yes, last year very good Bruce Dahl- Bruce will Dahl- Dahl- had an amazing year last year still very young he's only 25 years old at the moment Caleb Ferguson did pretty well for them last year they re-signed Joe Kelly um they re they agreed in arbitration with Alex Vessia uh Blake Trinan supposed to be back um and so he was someone who missed i think most or all of last season he was out for a yes, while yeah um they they, they got jp five rise a uh a a season or two ago and he hasn't really made a good contribution, but he's penciled in to be in their bullpen next season. And then they have Ryan Yarbrough as probably some sort of like inning eater type of guy, or maybe even some starting pitcher insurance. But, um, that just seems like so much depth all over the place. Travis, um, I think we can go ahead and stop showering praise <laughs> on uh, the Dodgers here before their fans. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, get too much joy out of this, but let's, exactly. let's go ahead and keep things rolling to, um another move travis what where should we hit next in the offseason i think Uh, the
1: the the one big one i penciled or at least circled was uh the chris sale that was just out of nowhere um chris sale you know longtime boston red sox alex we did not know what his career was looking like for the next coming seasons we just didn't know what the health was going to be like he was a tremendous pitcher you know three two or three years ago but it's just really fallen off the map and And he is going to get a fresh new start, I feel like, in a new home in Atlanta where a very smart organization, Alex, they know how to fix players. And I feel like you automatically can see him having a good success for the next two years. He did get an extension with them. I think it's about two years and $38 million from the Braves, but in return, the Braves give up uh, one of their uh, high prospects and a guy who actually had some pretty impactful playing time with the Braves uh Von Grisham. He had some, uh, he was a very, uh, very good power hitting uh, middle infielder. I think he played some shortstop for them. But uh, he'll be making his way to Boston in return for that trade. But a very uh, interesting trade—you get a really young guy for a guy that's def- that's aging. And Chris Sale, what do you make of it, Alex? What do you think Chris Sale could have a big impact on this Braves rotation?
0: Um, I think he will have an impact in some respects just because I trust, like you said, the smart organization reputation that the Braves have earned. I think that if they're going to go out there and trade a prospect for a guy like Sale and then go ahead and extend Sale, um, that tells me that they see something that they think that they can make work for them. Um before this deal I would not have penciled in sale to be a high value guy he still gets really good numbers um in stuff plus because uh he just is still a nasty pitcher his pitches are still very good he doesn't have quite the same velo he did in his prime and he doesn't have the same consistency with his health amongst other things consistency with his outings so I definitely could see the concerns um but that being said I think that uh, the Braves are not out here um, you know taking a huge risk when they extend someone like that so i think that they must feel good about where he's at and i also i also probably think um you know this is my speculation i probably think that they might not be as high on, on on Von Grissom, um, which is why they were okay with sending him out. And then that makes me really interested to say, okay, I wonder what Boston sees in Grissom that they like. Maybe just a maybe it's because he's a young, controllable player that can play all over the diamond and they just kinda wanna see him uh be a utility guy for them, or maybe they haven't gonna pencil in to start Um, at shortstop or or anywhere on the diamond. I'm not sure exactly where he fits into the Boston Red Sox plans. But um, last year, Travis uh, Grissom had 80 plate appearances in MLB level, and he walked below 3% of the time, and he didn't hit for much power at all. He had um, no home runs, and his uh, slugging was 347, Mm. and his average was 280. So the gap between that average and slugging is pretty low. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just seeing a guy who, you know, there's not a ton of good discipline and there's not a ton of pop. I mean, there there certainly was pop in the past and and certain spots in the minor leagues. And he did have five home runs at the big league level in just 40 games in 2022. But I think that I'm not sure if pitchers kind of figured out something on him or maybe he just is due for a, a, a new situation. But, uh, yeah, Von Grissom did pretty good, pretty solid, um, know good on base and slugging in the minors last year but just not at the major league level whatsoever so i'm interested to see kind of what boston has planned for him at the moment uh grissom is actually projected next year to be like a two war player so um in, in 123 games so i mean there's definitely a good chance that he is an everyday contributor for them i'm interested to see how boston decides to use him he can put the bat in the ball because his batting average has never ever been low in the minors or the big leagues even when the power and the and the, and the walking is is not uh kind of clicking for him he still has like a 280 290 average in his two uh, big league seasons so um he definitely has mlb contribution written all over him and he's young he's only 22 last year mm-hmm. is he 23 right now it looks like he is currently 20 he just turned 23 10 days ago Got so it. um on the 5th so uh yeah he's someone who's going to contribute um can play over the diamond like we said but um i think it's a definitely an interesting trade kind of like we were talking about the um the Michael Bush trade with the Dodgers, like I feel like the Braves are probably kind of out on their guy, perhaps. And they said, let's let some other team try to fix him up and we'll just take a guy who we feel more comfortable with in Chris Sale. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see Chris Sale, um, you know, going to be I assume they're going to be counting on him to be an every not an everyday player, but like an every week contributor um
1: i wonder if he can handle that kind of load i guess we'll have to kind of find out this year but um and it looks like he he probably will be the the four or five guy i mean that that at least gives him not that much pressure i mean i think in seasons past he was looked at as the one or two but now with strider being the guy with freed probably being the number two elder or morton being the number three or four um you look at look at sales just being that guy just saying hey you know you're the fifth guy we're not looking at you t- for you know right a, a ton of performance but it would be nice to have some good performance in, in our out of our five starter but we're just looking at you to almost eat up innings and just be a reliable guy we can turn on uh every fifth day
0: and, and there were some there were some numbers to like last year i mean i guess the most of the most stuff that i remembered off the top of my head um were not super encouraging but um you know Like you said, he's going to be like a four or five pitcher. They already have Strider, Freed, and Morton, who they're they're guys they're going to be counting on for the high workload. They just need some effective innings from Sale. And last year, he threw 102 and two-thirds innings. Um, he had over he had 125 strikeouts and only 29 walks, so a pretty good ratio there. Um, still had his good stuff, and he pitched for 20 starts at a 4.3 ERA. So um, nothing terrible whatsoever there. Just definitely maybe not the ace he once was. But um, that's not what Atlanta is paying him to be. They just are paying him to be uh, a reliable pitcher for them. And I think he can do that looking at some of these numbers here. But the Braves, Travis, we know how good they were last year. They've made a lot of really interesting, curious trades. I feel like they're just like... um,
1: they got our boy David Fletcher, you know?
0: It, it's, it's, people make comparisons to like, you know, they're just in uh they're in what's it called? They're like in a OOTP baseball or like MLB the show, like franchise mode. They're just like, just doing all these like little small trades. And it's kind of like, what's going on over there? Because they traded for Fletcher and Stassi. Then they immediately let Stassi go to another team. I think, was it? pittsburgh or someone like that i think and then and then they uh <laughs> yeah. and then they traded uh with seattle and they got like evan white and they sent him to the angels immediately that's right and then that's right and then they went and got um like you said david fletcher but they've just been bouncing guys all over the place they went and sent avon grissom out so it just kind of really curious how they're just um kind of going crazy with some very minor deals but their heart of their team is still the same as last year we know it's going to be good we know all the starters um, I'm curious to see what they get out of guys like Jared Kelnick, who they traded for. Um, I'm curious to see what we get out of that bullpen. They have uh, Iglesias still. Um, they signed Reinaldo Lopez. Uh, I think that they uh, they got Aaron Bummer in a trade. So a lot to like,
1: I think, for them. But they're um, just a team that I feel like they don't need too many additions, and they don't need to be overspending because they've already made so many smart deals that they kind of can just rely on a lot of the guys already. I mean, they already have their core, and I think. They just are focused on what type of little moves can we do that are going to be big and impactful maybe later on the season, maybe uh, in October. So, again, I I think going into the offseason as a Braves fan, you're probably looking at this entire team and saying, yeah, I mean, not really much has to be, you know, done because our starting nine seems to be doing, you know, a well enough job that it, it's not too much to uh, to fix out there. It just was unfortunate. We just got, um, you know, we just lost our way for four games in October and you know we had to get an early exit which that's just kind of how baseball works you could have 120 wins but you still got to go in there and play you know a five-game series or a seven-game series and you might stumble and then your season's basically over but yeah and we'll, we'll
0: quickly since we touched on boston with the grissom deal we'll quickly mention that they also went and signed lucas giolito travis he is someone who uh had some of his best years a few years ago he had actually you always see that commercial travis i know you've seen it like i have that's like oh he was the worst pitcher in like 2018 and yeah. then in 2019 he like bounced yeah. back and had these great numbers um and then travis last year and year before also not very good especially no. last year towards the end angels traded for him he could not help them win any games then they cut him let him go to the guardians uh did not have any good games yeah. for them really yep. either so uh overall not exactly sure what they boston will get for him next year they gave him
1: you have do you have the deal there the the terms yes it was a two-year 38 million so I, it was it was not, a little that, bit of overpaid too
0: that's not nothing right that's like that's like a substantial part of, of what you're hoping to spend this offseason in terms of adding uh value it's definitely I, mean, uh, I was
1: thinking you're gonna get he's gonna probably get 10 million a year like, because and, he needs and, to prove himself and yeah like approve it approve it one year like yeah like 10 15, 15 million yeah. maybe you want to give him 20 million for one year kind of like the noah Syndergaard with the angels but you just want to see what can you do this year because you have not been trending uh very nicely over the last couple of years so why would i want to commit more than one year to you right now it, it was a very um a bold uh, contract by the red sox i definitely was surprised by the money and the years and and i mean in, i'm
0: yeah. interested to see because i mean we know that the red sox uh parted ways with haim uh bloom so they have a new uh people in their front office calling the shots this offseason I'm curious to see how that uh, affects their performance in the 2024 season Uh, with new people kind of making these decisions. Are they gonna get better or worse? They're still kind of making these same weird deals that they've made over the last few off seasons, but this one is another kind of head scratcher where, you know, I I assume these people know better than I do, but I'm not so sure how much you can rely on Giolito. Maybe they see something about a certain pitch that they think they they can make a tweak or kind of switch up his usage. Um, so I'm sure that yeah. there are signs of life because he was quite effective just a few years ago. Um, you know, I think he even threw like, uh, he threw, he's thrown he a couple no hitters, I think. But, yeah. um, his peak was, was quite solid and, and now he's uh, definitely needs to find himself again. So, yeah. um,
1: I guess anything else on that Travis, what other deal should we go to next? Nothing else, but you, you brought it up about a couple a minute ago. You are talking about how, you know, just weird of a deal it is. I got another weird, weird deal for you, uh, Robbie Ray to the Giants for uh, Anthony D. Sclafani and Mitch Haniger going back to the Mariners. Uh, it is a head scratcher because Mariners committed so much money to Robbie Ray, who had just come off his Cy Young uh, season. Yes, it was a bit of an overpay because you just knew Robbie Ray was not going to basically bring that type of, uh, pitching or that level of pitching for five seasons. They give him five years, 115 mil. I think he only lasted what two years there right now. He's a free agent in 2027, but he is going to be on his way South to San Francisco. Mitch Hanniger is on his way back up to Seattle with Anthony DeSclafani. Sclafani. I think DeSclafani might have one year left. And then I think Mitch Haniger has two years left on his deal with the giants, but it is a, um, interesting deal with what the Mariners are doing they've gotten rid of Jared Kelnick and they have gotten rid of uh, some other minor guys but getting rid of Robbie Ray and now you're going to get these Clefani and Mitch Henniger back who I guess I'll say this who do you think wins that I mean it's you got to say maybe the the Mariners win it because they're getting a lot of money off their payroll. They're getting a guy in Desclafani who really hasn't been that bad. I didn't check his numbers from last year, but I know his season's passed. It hasn't been that bad. And then Mitch Haniger, you're getting a guy that's going to be somewhat of a reliable power bat. Probably he'll get more power back in Seattle than he did in uh in San Francisco. And I think the health was a bit of a factor last year, but what do you make of the deal? Travis,
0: I'm looking at uh the projections for the mariners next year and i see anthony disclafani in like a long relief role Mm, um he had a 4 8 era in about 100 innings pitch i'm just not too sure about what kind of contributions you're going to get from him um i also see you know hanniger probably being uh a meaningful bat for them not a a massive upgrade on who they already had but someone who's going to be hopefully a plus hitter for them um they just need some outfield depth after after sending out um Kelnick I believe but Charles just looking at the Mariners depth overall I don't think it's a really a win for them I feel like they do have the starting pitching to kind of make up for the loss of Robbie Ray mm-hmm. they can just kind of get some more out of Bryce Miller and Brian Wu two young pitchers for them who have come up through their system and have already proven to be MLB caliber pitchers in just short stints in the big leagues last year um, both guys had eras just above a four last year both um, able to you know be effective across several different starts so I, I think that losing Ray even though I think he is an impactful pitcher for them and could have been great for them in like a series I think they're just going depth over everything right now so they're going to lose some upside in the starting pitching in favor of the depth of Disclafani and Hanegar. but I just don't think adding the Sclafani and Hanegar is going to be super impactful Travis I, I I'm gonna give myself a warning here just because <laughs> every offseason I do this but I just count out the Mariners every offseason right yes I I, we I all just do. I I just I just feel like I'm looking at this team. I just do not get it, right? Um, they've made some other deals that we'll, we'll kind of throw in there uh, right now as well because I don't want to... Um, I, I want to kind of think about this as a whole. Well, they did get a big bat. That's right. So
1: they went and got Mitch Garver. Um, that was a Christmas Eve present for all of us. You know?
0: And and he'll probably be playing a good amount of uh, DH as well as catcher. But Cal Raleigh, they already have. So um, I could even see some first base for maybe garver but a lot of dh for sure um they can give each other days off defensively which will help so um i'm looking at a cal raleigh as probably the everyday a glove and then garver more so just a a solid right-handed bat that they can get some extra pop out of but um looking at their offense jp crawford julio rodriguez it's a good start there then garver cal raleigh and it falls off in my mind, Ty France, Mitch Haniger, Luke Rayleigh, who they traded for um, from Tampa Bay, got an outfielder in Luke Rayleigh in exchange for, um, it was Jose Caballero, who was a middle infielder for them, is going over to Tampa Bay. Um, and then Luis Urias is penciled in to be their third baseman to replace uh, Eugenio Suarez. Um, and then Josh Rojas penciled in to be their second baseman. I don't like those two offensively much at all. And Ty um, france is a
1: question mark we've seen he's been working on his swing but yeah he'll, I mean, will it, he take a step next year
0: right and some of these guys have been at driveline i think they're probably making strides to increase their effectiveness but um just in terms of the ability to add to this team and make it like a playoff lock I think they really failed to do that and then the bench is not super promising either to me Sebi Savala uh Sam Haggerty Dylan Moore and Taylor Trammell just not a lot of guys who I feel like I'm counting on in big games or or to kind of make um I guess, season-long impacts. The starting rotation is pretty solid. I still am really high on Luis Castillo, Travis. Gilbert and Kirby are young uh, aces, aces, to be honest. I couldn't really be higher on Kirby and his potential. And there's a lot of good arms in the pen. Brash and Munoz are nasty. Topa's pretty good, too, and there's just a lot of depth there as well. But um, maybe that approach will work, but I think the lack of offense is a problem uh, per se. And then I think that, you know, trading a guy like Ray, just it shows that they're trying to get off some money. Um, And I thought thought maybe they'd be like trading away some of their expensive guys so they can go and get a guy like Matt Chapman to play third base. No, they go and get Luis Urias to play third base. So (laughs) it definitely kind of throws me off in terms of, Thinking they're going to be a legit team to make the playoffs next year, I'm not so sure about that. So, um, what's your take on the, on where they're at right now? Or do yeah, you want, go ahead.
1: It's a it's a good point. I mean, I'm looking at the rotation. It, it's good. It's a really good solid rotation. I I I I they're probably going to be leaning on that. But uh, yeah, looking at the lineup, you're you're just hoping that. Uh, Julio Rodriguez does not have the start that he had last year I think it was a um, a pretty disappointing like first two or three months that he uh, that he started the season on but definitely caught fire as the season progressed but he is going to be someone that you have to lean on tremendously and then you have to lean on guys like Ty France and Cal Raleigh to come up big and you know over the past couple of years, we just, we, th- those are good role players, but they're just not guys that you would be able to lean on to win a division or, you know, make a playoff run, I feel like. So it's, it's going to have to be a lot of question marks going into the offseason. Uh, they're one team that it just, it just feels like every single year. I mean, ever since they made the playoffs, they ha- could have taken, you know, huge strides to, you know, assure um, the fan base, assure the rest of the league that they are for real and that they're really ready to make a big impact uh in not only the american league west but the actually the, the american league and uh in, in october but it just it just feels like they their chance is slipping and it's 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 kind of crazy to look at how how they're going about this business it's 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 one of the it's probably one of the worst you know grades you'd give a team this offseason you know with the potential that they have some teams that have not made moves maybe you look at that and say you know what we'll they don't really have any areas that really need huge huge impact players they've already got them or you know maybe they're just trying to um uh just they're trying to uh basically just fall apart and and not try to win but i look at the mariners and i I, it's definitely a head scratcher going back to their gm uh in the off season or towards the end of the season i remember he came out with a statement saying you know, we're trying to win eighty eight games. You know, that that, that that's our goal. Not, I think more, he said like, <laughs> not more, not less. We want to be five hundred or and, and win eighty eight games. Like that's our sweet spot. And it's kinda of like I think your your goal should be to, you know, maybe not maybe not look at the number of games you gotta win, but also you should look at you know, compete for the American League West, compete for the entire, you know, number one seed of the American League, you know, not look at a certain number. So right. I, it's, it was a strange uh, quote that he, they came out and said.
0: I, I really like having windows. I've talked about a lot on the podcast, but I like it when a team uh, puts all their chips in the basket of like, let's have a two, three, four year window where we really have a really good chance to compete with any team in front of us. <clears throat> and then, hey, let's 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 understand right now that we have a lot of, aging guys we have a lot of we have a weak we have a weak uh prospect pool let's go ahead and kind of reset things take a couple years a uh, foot off the gas in terms of competing now and focus on the future let's bring in some young guys uh trade some of these bi- uh popular guys for some draft picks i like it when a team knows like hey let's go for it hey let's reset some teams prefer really to kind of be in the middle at all times and they think that like if we can just get If we can get a wild card berth every single year, that's a great place to be. And hey, that's not a bad place to be um, because you have a chance to win a World Series almost any season. But teams like the Brewers who do this and teams like the Mariners who are trying to do this um, with the consistently being good but never really being like over the top and never really being terrible. um, I just feel like the model, it hasn't yielded that many World Series in seasons past. I feel like the World Series keep going to these teams that feel stacked. Yes. Um, And so... With that in mind, I'm just not super high on the process here by the Mariners. But honestly, Travis, um, they still are a team that has a chance because... Uh, I like their pitching and I think that the way that Crawford improved last season, it gives me hope for what maybe Ty France and some others in the team can do in terms of improving. They moved off Kelnick, which um, that may end up biting them if the Braves get the most out of him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves make him into a, a mini star, but um, I also wouldn't be that surprised if um they do a bit better off without him uh, hitting, you know, like sixth or seventh every night and and having a lot of strikeouts. I think that maybe, um, maybe they figure something out that I'm not really uh – not really counting on right now, but I I definitely think they've had a questionable off season. And I guess to quickly cover the Giants adding Ray, it's a good add for them in my mind. I think it's a good upgrade on DeSlafani, and I think they can replace Hanniger with um their other depth of their team. Um, Peterson hasn't signed yet, so they're, they're, yeah. they're losing they're losing outfield bats for sure that they need to replace. But I know they started using Luis Matos in the outfield last season. He is someone who I think uh, will be an everyday player for them them uh and they have a lot of uh they have some good prospects coming up um and i think they have more to do this offseason so we'll see what other moves they do make but giants i think are almost in the same category If they're going to try to be a frisky team not a super team they're not going to try to cut and uh become uh you know uh, sellers either so we'll see where they end up i agree i agree
1: um you know staying on the pitching uh will will now transition to one of the one of the last big moves that has been made over the last month but um, it just happened a couple days ago but i i don't have the exact numbers on the contract but marcus stroman going to the yankees it looks like so that of course is going to be a good ad for new york uh getting uh getting more of that depth for that rotation uh, they, did they add someone else i, I feel like i saw a, a, a picture of, of garrett cole with a couple other pitchers if i'm not mistaken i'm, I'm Maybe I'm losing it here, but uh, I I know that that's just a a better piece to get for the Yankees uh, staff. Oh, I'm thinking of Rodon, but, uh, you know, looking at uh, Cole, hopefully Rodon has a a big um, a, you know, a turnaround season like, you know, much better than what happened last year uh, with with, you know, being hurt for a good majority of the season. And then coming back, he just was not himself. But now when you have Garrett Cole, the Cy Young winner with. Uh, Rodon being the number two most likely, and then you got uh, Marcus Stroman being the number three. I know you got other guys as well that could be you know impactful starters. Um, you know, Clark Schmidt. Um, I don't know if Severino or Domingo Herman. I think it was Domingo Herman was suspended or something like that. Um, and they also got uh, Johnny Brito as well, but there are, there are some young guys. They they have they have choices to make on that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, um, it's a good start. I'll say.
0: Yeah, I think looking at uh, what what they have uh, coming in the next season, uh, Stroman was a good addition for them. Two years, thirty seven million is what I'm seeing here. Um, I think that uh, overall, uh, the Yankees needed to do some more adding. Obviously, the Soto piece. Um, You feel like you probably addressed uh, the offense in a lot of ways, but I think adding that pitching um, is definitely a a positive for them. Um, Yeah, looking at their projected rotation going into next season, um, I'm seeing Cole, Rodon, Stroman, Clark Schmidt, Nestor Cortez. That's a pretty solid five uh, in my opinion. Um, and then the bullpen, I think, is always pretty good for them. Clay Holmes, Loisiga, Um, there's depth there with Ian Hamilton had a good year last year, a 2-6 ERA um, amongst other guys that um, they went and got Victor Gonzalez in a trade uh, from the Dodgers. So interested to see what else they do on that front. But the pitching, I think, is in a solid place for the Yankees. And of course, they went and got Soto. So I think they are back to their same uh, hopes uh, as, as, you know, last year was a... I guess, a step down for them and they're going to be back to that like 2019, 2020 hopes of like, let us be a powerhouse in the American League. I think they're going to be able to um, be in that conversation, at least, especially with some young talent coming up. We'll see how much Dominguez actually plays. We'll see how much Oswald Peraza actually plays. But um, they definitely do have... It feels like hopefully more depth than last season, whereas, you know, in the late months of the season, they were relying on some guys, Travis, who I'd never heard of. And that's usually not a good sign if you're a a Yankee uh, playoff hopeful. So um, I think there's a lot to like there. They did go out and trade some of that pitching depth, starting pitching depth um, to get... Um, Soto. So if they do have injuries to guys like Cortez and Clark Schmidt, I'm not exactly sure who's going to go and fill those gaps. Um, They do have young pitchers, I think, in the in the farm system, but I'm not sure about MLB ready guys. I think Brito was sent to the Padres as part of that deal. We know that uh, Michael King was sent out in part of that Soto deal. I think uh, Severino was signed by the Mets, I believe. So, like, they they lost some depth there. And uh, we'll kind of see if that ends up playing a role to this season. But I think the Yankees are about having stars, Travis, and that's going to be their approach um, for the foreseeable future. So
1: we'll see how that plays for them this season. Definitely will. And uh, any any last... um and and I guess I guess minor moves that might might want to touch on.
0: Yeah, well, quickly, I'll, I'll just mention since we covered the Giants and didn't mention his name, I'll go ahead and just say quickly that um, they they went and got Hicks, yeah, from uh, St. Louis. Uh, he is someone who has been able to, I think, throw pretty hard, but not really accurate. And there's been times when the Cardinals have tried to use him as a starter, tried to use him as a reliever. Um, And the Giants gave him four years, Travis, right? So I think that they're going to probably try to use him as a starter with that kind of contract. The Giants have been able to figure out pitchers in a lot of good ways. They went and made Alex Cobb into a really sustainable, good starting pitcher. Um, They've done a lot of good things for uh, different relievers that they've brought in. So I think that Hicks can potentially have a bit of a revival of sorts. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I think they wouldn't give out four years to a guy who they thought was hopeless. So... Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that kind of works for them, but um, I'll just throw his name out there. And then just looking at my phone here for other deals that seem notable, um, the Cardinals also traded for Andrew Kittredge, who is a reliever who had some really good years recently for the Rays, um, but the Rays then went and got Richie Palacios. And Travis, um, the truth is I don't know much about Richie Palacios, but what I do know Um, What I read on Twitter is that in this offseason alone, he's added seven miles per hour of uh, his to his exit velocity, his max exit velocity. So I can already tell you, Travis, that Richie Palacios is going to be pretty solid next year for the race. Um, I can already tell you that uh, if if uh, Kittredge goes out there and gets injured as a reliever, uh, sometimes will do. Uh, it's gonna look pretty bad for the Cardinals long term because I think Palacios um, had a chance to be a really important piece for their team as a as a young player um to contribute to their young core they kind of have over there. Um another deal Travis uh, or this is a, kind of a couple of deals kiermeier and Isaiah kind of left both to the Jays kind of giving them some more MLB caliber depth, right? I think that those are two guys who are not moving the needle a ton, but they are helping that team with depth i think that ikf Chavez. we used to bag on him a lot for being kind of not really a yankees yankees caliber shortstop but for the for the blue jays i think he's an upgrade on a guy like Whit Merrifield, who i think um is a free agent right now and so i can see the jays using ikf at second base some in the outfield some and just being a good utility guy for them but um any other th- oh i think the last thing we should touch on is uh is shota imanaga hopefully i'm saying that right to the cubs um, he is someone Travis who I think after um, Yamamoto signed people weren't really sure where he might land and he is already uh, set to go to the Cubs. He is someone Travis who I'm seeing a lot of good signs from. I guess he just had really good stat cast data when he pitched in the World Baseball Classic uh, some of the best uh, stuff plus on his fastball. I think at the fastball Travis it's like 95 miles an hour. So not elite velocity, but I guess the rising action was pretty elite. Um, In terms of the uh, vertical break. So um, I'm not an expert on that kind of stuff, but I would say watch out for Imanaga having a big year. Obviously, Travis, it may take some time to adjust to striking out MLB caliber hitters. But that being said, I do think that um, he is already showing this stuff that he can compete at this level. Uh, Anything else that I'm missing?
1: Uh, Michael Waka to the Kansas City Royals.
0: Waka and Renfro, Travis, both to the Royals. Both I feel, Lugo
1: added, and they're, they're being aggressive.
0: Look I, at that. I feel like the, every offseason in the last few years, the Royals try to add a couple pieces that they want to flip at the deadline. I feel like that's, that's been their strategy. Is like, let's just add a yeah. couple guys, and we can get a prospect in return. And it kind of worked. They went and got Chapman. They flipped him to Texas, and then Texas gave them a starting pitcher in Cole Reagans, I think his name is. And already was doing well for the Royals, so I think
1: it's a very good strategy. It's if, it's pretty nice if yeah. you're a
0: tanking team and you have a lot of young players, just sign a couple guys as kind of almost like rehab projects. Renfro had a terrible year last year for his standards. Let's just bring him in. If he hits twenty home runs by the deadline, we'll flip him. We we'll, we can get a prospect for it's that. Su- it's you such
1: know? A, a yeah, it's such a great strategy that the Royals are doing, and it's it's fun to see the Royals from what they were. You know, the World Series champs that that great two-year run they went on, and then it just kind of died down. They got rid of all those guys, Mustakis, Hosmer, Alex Gordon, um, all the pitchers. You know, they all either left or retired. Um, now seeing what they're doing, you know, Bobby Witt is going to be the future for them, and now seeing what they're doing to, you know, hopefully get more guys and more prospects to, uh, fill some of these roles in the next coming years and yeah i mean getting guys like Chapman to pitch for you for 9 months and then flipping him for a a high prospect that's that's a great strategy and i think a lot of teams should look at that as a way to go about if you need help uh you know speeding up that uh that uh that window for you to hopefully compete in the, in the near future which is it's good to see the royals going out there a team that has not spent a lot of money they're spending the money on these guys that they're hoping hopefully looking to flip sometime this season or even the offseason next year but uh it's it's good to see uh it's good to see teams like that that are still still trying and at least still showing their fans hey we're getting names that you know maybe aren't big names now or maybe had a decent season last year but we're trying at least to show you guys that we uh we want at least put a competitive team out there um i know (laughs) i know a lot of other teams that are just not even trying and it's been that way for years and it's just you're, you're now you're just waiting for prospects hopefully to come up and and be impactful but you're just you're you're just basing it all on luck you know so right. a, it's cool to see a team like that uh go out there and actually uh try
0: yeah so um i guess any other moves i'm looking at here um just some minor pitching things i know montas to the reds is something that's kind of fun like a rehab project yeah. they did pretty poorly for the yankees um overall i I,
1: I, you know going on um you know a team like last season that was so hot in the free agency market but the mets they get harrison bader i don't know if you said that
0: no that's a good thing to
1: mention they also got a shamanaya um a couple days ago or at least one week ago and so they you know they're 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 in a pretty sad spot towards the end of uh you know july they had to get rid of a bunch of guys and their fan base probably just looked at it and said wow we spent all this money At least they got rid of a lot of guys and got prospects in return, got other teams to take on deals. So they did shed some money and got some prospects in return. But now they're kind of going into the... um I I don't even maybe even say a rebuild mode but just going into the more of the conservative spending mode and just saying we're going to get guys maybe on shorter terms it's going to be more of a team-friendly contract and we're going to kind of go about that right now and see maybe what the team looks like in a year what some of these guys are doing during this season so you know I the Mets don't 100% look like a a complete failure right now but it's it's it's, it's not, it, it was a disaster the way it kind of ended, but at least now you're looking at it and saying, okay, you you're asking, you're adding some, some decent pieces, some, some areas that will really help you, uh, I think in the season and Bader brings great base running, great defense. If you can, you know, if you can go back to, you know, I think it was 2021, uh, ALDS mode where he just unlocked the power. It was like, oh my God, this guy is a complete, a, uh, a complete monster of a ball player. But, uh, what do you make of some of these moves by the Mets?
0: It's tough to evaluate them on the whole um, because I look at the team and it just a, it looks a lot weaker than when they went to the season last year. Yet last year they performed pretty poorly to start the year, and then they, like we said, they ended up selling a lot of their bigger names. Um, the bats, there's guys I like. You know, Nimo McNeil and Dora Alonzo. I like that. Like first four hitters is a pretty good spot to be. They have some nice youth and guys like Francisco Alvarez is gonna be a good hitter at the big league level. I have to believe. Um, D.J. Stewart had a good second half last year for them. Uh, Brett, Brett Brett Beatty, we'll see if he kind of becomes um, an MLB everyday player for them. But Bader, I think, is a solid addition. I think that there's something to like about him being just a defensive, a uh, lot of defensive value there and value on the base pass, like you mentioned. Um, But the pitching, Travis, I mean, you look at last year, they didn't get that much out of Scherzer and Verlander, but I still think that you'd rather have those guys than like Sean Manea and Adrian Hauser, who are penciled in to be their four or five guys. Severino's penciled in to be an everyday starter for them, and he had over a six ERA last year. So outside of Kodai Senga, who was great last year, and then uh, Jose Quintana, who was good last year, but um, missed a lot of time, Uh, not a ton of things to like, in my opinion, um overall and they should hopefully get diaz back um and brooks raley had a good year last year but just overall i would say a lot of concerns and i guess to add insult to injury ronnie mauricio one of their top young prospects um he is just 22 years old switch hitting infielder um he did tear an ACL just a week ago in the off season so that's not good either um so yeah a, a lot to kind of be pessimistic about if you're a Mets fan but you're you you sold out a lot of your top talent at the deadline in exchange for young prospects that could hopefully contribute uh in a little a couple seasons here so i think just kind of being decent for now and hopes of being really good in you know, three, four seasons is probably a, a good spot to be. They have Drew Gilbert in AA next year, Luis Angel Acuna in AA next year. Uh, Mauricio is now hurt, but once he gets healthy again from the ACL, he should be MLB ready. So um, you hope that some of these guys will click and they can start um, kind of building more depth on the MLB uh, roster there but, yeah I yeah, um, couldn't
1: couldn't agree more uh, on that but uh I think that covers everything Alex with the news I hopefully uh you know when when uh our next recording we can uh hopefully jump on a lot more moves because guys like Blake Snell Cody Bellinger uh, JD Martinez are are all still out there and and are still waiting to find homes and it's uh it's maybe not really surprising it's still taking this long but uh it, it it does get you know as an lb fan you do get kind of antsy and you're wondering what is going on it's mid january right now you are reporting to your hope maybe your new team's um spring training facilities in probably less than a month right now and uh you're still looking for a home you're still looking where you're going to spend you know guys like uh a guy like blake snell or even cody bellinger they're probably getting you know a deal that's north of five years uh you know you're looking at a new home a, um, a, a new place you're going to call home for, you know, half a decade or even the rest of the, of the decade. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it, you wish it could happen soon.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But, uh, covering that Alex, what, uh, what should we move on to next? Are we going to go to the, uh, the all sure. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let you uh, take that one because I know, you know, more than me, I think my MLB brain has been switched off for a good old, last month at least so
0: right so the all mlb teams were announced um just in december for whatever reason travis we were kind of criticizing that process um we were hoping they'd get released like at the beginning of the playoffs or something like that um but we'll just briefly kind of cover um some of the selections here um the press release by mlb is looking uh, pretty pretty
1: uh i I just don't like that formatting it was pretty bad but um it you know was pretty bad as is- a mid-december release alex i i I still to this day will be uh just scratching your head i'll just be criticizing it you know last year it was you know the last couple years it was we we really didn't like it that much because it was released right after the postseason so so much postseason bias was was taken into it and you know we saw guys that probably shouldn't have been on the list that were on it and guys that you know were on teams that were below 500 were kind of just forgotten about so if if me and alex could do it our way if the if the entire league could just turn to us we would say hey can you please release this list like the day after or the a couple days before the um or the, the, a couple days after the season ends i know now you get i think a one or two day break after the final mlb game so could you do something where you maybe release it the day after and you know a lot of the, the writers or whoever selects and makes these teams can at least be given you know a week notice saying hey make your teams now you know the last week of the season your mind should be made up there really shouldn't be too much that's like oh my god like these two are the guys I got to watch for the next week after 160 or 155 games I got to watch these two guys to see you can really battle it out so your, your list should be pretty much made up I just wish it'd be something to be shared. Uh, right after the season's up, because I don't want to get postseason bias into it, and then in mid-December, Alex, we're really it's after the winter meetings. We're, we're we're really all in 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 different modes: holiday mode, or even just football or other sports modes, basketball mode. So it's. It definitely is uh i don't i don't like it
0: <laughs> yeah i'll just quickly rattle off these teams um the first team adley rushman catcher no complaints freeman first base semi and second base Seeger shortstop austin rally third base that's all fine yep. uh acuna betts carol outfield that's all pretty fine otani dhing that's correct
1: uh <laughs> i like that one
0: alex the, Yeah. the five starting pitchers uh garrett cole zach gallon Uh, That's good. Blake Snell, Otani. A little surprising on Otani being there, but I respect it um, if you kind of factor in the two-way role. And Spencer Strider, I do like that. Surprisingly, many people might think the ERA was too high. Bautista and Hayter as the relievers. The first team is pretty good there. Um, Second team, Jonah Heim, catcher, um, which is funny, Travis the MLB just released their like top 10 for going in the next season for, for some positions for starting pitchers and catchers. We'll cover that later on, but just to show, throw it out there right now, they don't have Jonah Hyman as a top 10 catcher, but they have him as the second team catcher from last catch. year.
1: That's pretty crazy. So how
0: does that even make any sense? You yeah. said he was second best last year yeah. and you're saying he's not even top 10 for next maybe season, but he's a young player. Maybe they're just seeing things, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but um, Matt Olson, first base on the second team, Ozzy Albies, Second base, Lindor shortstop, Jay Ram, uh, third baseman, uh, Aaron Judge, Adolis Garcia, and Kyle Tucker in the outfield. Um, don't really hate any of that, but I think Garcia gets some playoff um boost there. High might as well. Um, Jordan Alvarez DH, that's pretty good. Um pitching, five starters, Kevin Gosman, Sonny Gray, Nathan Nivaldi, Jordan Montgomery, and Kyle Bradish that is uh, five there and then Devin Williams and Class A as relievers Travis I don't have too much to complain about overall Um, I think most of the reason why I don't have that much to complain about is because they released this so far after the season I feel like I'm pretty removed from it like you said I probably
1: would have a lot more I'm trying to think of guys to replace and I'm like I I don't even know who would be I, I my mind is just so scrambled on this right now but yeah yeah it
0: feels like too much time has passed since the end of the season where we kind of had a lot of stronger opinions about like oh no this second base got snubbed i think one thing that comes to mind is albies at second base on second team uh feels wrong to me i i don't want to say i'm an albies hater per se but i just think that what he did last year you know nothing nothing mind-blowing i think he had had quite a few home runs but i think altuve has to be there i think altuve had a really good year last year um i'm sure i could probably do some nitpicking with a couple other choices but we know how the voters vote um they really care about uh the postseason especially because they Release this in December. Let alone, um, it should be right when the regular season ends. But uh, yeah, I th- I think that overall you see a lot of uh, Rangers on here, which might not have happened if they started this before the
1: wild card round. They don't like that uh, elite uh, outfield defense from Tatis, you know. We were harping on that guy for, you know, we were talking about those numbers and it was impressive. And
0: that's a good point that uh, you're you're reminding me of. I think that Tatis or Juan Soto deserves a spot over like a guy like Adolis Garcia. But Garcia gets that extra credit for being on the World Series winner. And he had a good season himself. I don't want to take anything away from him. But I just think that there are other players who didn't have a postseason moment but had better 2023 regular seasons, which is I think what this award should be all about. Absolutely. That's how we assess the all MLB team. Um, but Travis, let's keep it rolling into our next topic.
1: What should we do? Hall of Fame, baby. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Uh, so, uh, kind of the uh, the main portion of the episode, or at least you know, we didn't want to take a two, uh, we didn't want to take a, a a crazy deep dive into free agency, but we did. That's fine. It's good to talk about that kind of stuff. What we really wanted to talk about is the uh, the Hall of Fame ballot voting. The uh, the results should be coming out on January 23rd. I believe that is next Tuesday, so we should be getting uh, the results for all of that. Alex, what I'll just first do is cover the the first year player guys, the last year player guys, the tenth year guys, and uh, then also the, all the guys in the middle. And uh, I'll first go off by just going into the first years. So we got Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, Chase Utley, David Wright, Bartolo Colon. Matt Holiday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Batista, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, James Shields, and Brandon Phillips. So a lot of guys that we all remember from our childhood. Uh, it's it's fun to see that a lot of these guys, Alex, we started watching the game, and these guys' careers were starting, and now they're on the Hall of Fame ballot for the first time. So I just feel like it's one of those times where you look at it and say, man, like once we started watching baseball, these guys were uh, just, they, they were rookies. They, they were just starting out in the bigs, and now they're already on the Hall of Fame ballot. So you're looking at get where the time go uh that's true uh 10th year guys actually only one guy on the on the ballot that's in his final year and that's gonna be gary sheffield and then everyone else in between i'm gonna go down based on the percentage of votes they got last year so highest vote down to the lowest vote you have todd helton you have billy wagner andrew jones carlos beltran a-rod manny ramirez omar Vizquel, pettit bobby abreu jimmy rollins mark burley Francisco Rodriguez and Tory Hunter. So I guess let's first talk about the first year guys, Alex. Let's go over that list. Do you have, the, um, do you have a list in front of you right now or do you? Uh- I'll pull it up right now. Okay, so I'll go over what basically what I think is gonna happen or at least guys that I would see staying on um, the ballot for a second year or getting in. So first thing I'll do is just eliminate the guys that I just don't think have a shot at getting 5%. Remember, 5% is the threshold to staying on the ballot And then it is 75% to getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. But if you get north of 5.0%, you stay on the ballot for the next year. But looking at guys like Brandon Phillips, James Shields, Victor Martinez, Jose Reyes, Jose Batista, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, I just kind of can circle those, what is it, seven names and just kind of say, yeah, I don't think they did enough in their careers to be Hall of Famers. That's just my opinion. One name I will circle that. uh, So I I do see those seven guys not staying on the ballot after this uh, go around. One name is really interesting, Alex. Bartolo Colon. I don't think he has a shot in hell to make the Hall of Fame. I do think he has a clear shot to get 5%. Sure. The number of wins he's gotten. I know a stat we don't really care about, but I think he does have it's 247 wins in his career i think he was going to be the, the first pitcher the first like i don't know if it was dominican born pitcher or something like that to reach 250 wins but it was a it was a pretty crazy stat like that but i think there is a shot that you see bartolo cologne achieving five percent of the vote uh and then guys like david wright Chase Utley, Joe Maurer, and Adrian Beltre. Alex, I do see getting north of 5%. They should be on the ballot next year. I do see Beltre, though, getting in first time. He should be a Hall of Famer, one and done. Um, Guys like Maurer, Utley, and Wright, Alex, really wanna see him in Cooperstown. Um, I think Wright is gonna be the weakest case, I'll put, towards those three, just because the health was a factor his entire career. When he was healthy, Alex, in his prime, David Wright was a Hall of Fame player. But I think looking at the other two, Maurer and Utley, their time will come sometime later on in the next coming years. But I think that Beltray will be the first ballot Hall of Famer out of these first years. Do you have any... um what, what let me break down your kind of your your style or the way you see these guys going about it. do you have any first year guys going in right now um and then also uh who do you have being eliminated
0: yeah i have beltray going in for sure um we're pretty much in agreement on the guys who we think uh are, are not going to make five percent i agree that cologne could make five percent um i definitely would not uh, consider using a vote for him yeah, I, I think absolutely not i yeah. mean everyone has their own vote philosophy which kind of makes it difficult to predict how things might go but Alex,
1: there are guys that just turn a blank ballot and they say this is this is the hall of fame this year this is my vote yeah. it, it's 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 sad but yeah
0: there are people who just um i think there was one time where someone it might have been this year or last year someone like they left someone off of the that they, they're like i see this guy being a hall of famer but i'm not gonna vote for him yet he's like and that's okay that's why you're on there for ten years. I can vote for you next year, and someone's like, "No, dude, this was that guy's last
1: year. <laughs> like, you got you you
0: gotta know that. Like, you
1: gotta know." Yeah, that. Well, it's, it, if you again, if you don't know that, I just feel like, what what do you act like? Why are you actually given this job? Like, you if you're not really taking a deep dive into all 26 of these guys careers, which I would definitely be doing, Alex, you got to look at everyone, even a guy like Brandon Phillips, who has no clear shot. I'm still going to look at his numbers. I'm still going to look at what he did as primes, all these different metrics and say, yeah, it really doesn't meet my criteria. Or you know what, it does meet my criteria to stay on the ballot. But yeah, please continue.
0: Yeah, basically, I'm thinking that um, the guys that you mentioned that will not be making 5% we're in agreement on I could see Cologne getting it but I just would never use my vote on a guy like who I know is has no chance absolutely like oh let me just make sure he stays on an extra year if you want to do that then that's I guess kind of fine but the only guys I'm really focused on of the of the first time guys like you said I think uh Adrian Beltre will be getting in I think Maurer has a chance to be getting in Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he does get a first year nod but he is going to be in that conversation in my opinion And Travis, in my mind, I would probably give votes to Utley and Wright. I'd have to kind of consider everything first, but I do think that those guys are in that Hall of Fame conversation for me. Wright has the issue of not playing long enough potentially, but Utley uh, does not have that issue. He was someone who, towards the end of his career, kind of was a journeyman a little bit and racked up some extra stats to kind of help his case. But um, there are definitely some interesting stats on those guys that make me lean towards including them. Um, Utley specifically, Travis, I think there's a lot of kind of fun numbers to look at. But um, one thing I see here, I mean, there's different work the MLB Network has been doing, trying to kind of paint a case for these guys, see if they deserve it or not. But um, Utley here, this is second baseman all time. Uh, most seasons with at least a seven-war. Hornsby has done that eight times, a seven-war season. Eddie Collins did it eight times. Nap LaJoie did it seven times. And after that, it's Chase Utley. And wow. uh yeah. and uh Joe Morgan and Charlie Garinger, they're tied with five seasons with over seven war. That's very impressive for me, Chase Utley having that many seasons with over a seven war. That's more times than Ryan Sandberg, who's in the Hall of Fame, and more times than Jackie Robinson, who's in the Hall of Fame, of course. So um I think that he really is up there in terms of your peak value. Um, being that guy. And I think unfortunate for Utley, he is someone who in my mind gets a little bit hindered because on that Phillies team of our childhood, Travis, that was always in the playoffs, made the world series, won a world series. Um, I think he kind of took back seat to some really impressive pitching and some really monstrous power seasons from Ryan Howard. But if you look at the value, Travis of, oh, yeah. of the on base and the slugging combined with the defensive component there is no question that Utley was the MVP of that team over Ryan Howard. Looking at it from a perspective of today, I, I agree that back then, when we were when we were younger, Travis, we kind of just idolized the long ball and the RBIs
1: and stuff. But I think it was fifty-eight home runs that one season and everyone was like It was mind blowing. It, it was mind blowing, yeah. yeah. But the absolutely. fact
0: but the fact that Rollins and uh and uh ryan howard escaped the, that era with mvps and utley just kind of was like the consistent guy yeah i think today i view that so differently i view that as like utley was the pretty much the superstar of the team looking at the war i mean he's putting up seven eight war seasons in all those years meanwhile um you know there's just some slightly good peaks from Ryan howard and then some uh some uh, solid seasons from Rollins, but not someone who's getting my vote in these kind of conversations. Yep, so, so that's why I'm on Utley. I'm actually quite high on Utley and uh, what he is uh, capable of on this ballot. I, I think he will become a hall of famer. I do think yep. that, um, I think if, before I saw this ballot and kind of did some digging, I would have been surprised to kind of see him in these, you know, you know, I don't think he's going to be a first ballot guy, but I think um, seeing him getting this much consideration would have surprised me, but I think the numbers totally back that up. Absolutely. That, that's where I'm at.
1: Absolutely, and I, I I looked at what you mentioned, too, with the, uh, the number of uh, seven war seasons. I looked at 05 to 2010, and in that span, that's six seasons, Alex, and in five of those, uh, five straight seasons of an OPS at 900 or higher. So I I think that's that's very impressive for a second baseman. I think it's funny. I I always look at this and I say to myself, if Utley played first base or if he played right field in that era, he would absolutely be not getting my vote. (laughs) I just would not look at that and Mm -hmm. say, a first baseman and right fielder, these guys provided the most insane power in this era. Uh, This is just not going to do it for me. But since he played second base, Alex, with the defense component, too, in the war, I uh, he's got to get my vote as well because it, it was impressive watching him uh, in, in in our childhood and seeing him uh, I, I you know I, I think bat second or third for that Phillies team but you get you're right he was not the superstar on that team it was Howard and then it was Rollins and then it was the pitching staff with uh, Cole Hamels and Roy Halladay so it's just funny that a guy like that just got overlooked so many years but he was a uh, a very important piece in that uh, in that Phillies team Joe Mauer just to you know quickly kind of touch on him Alex again injuries did hold him up and that might be an area that really will hurt him in the voting but a guy with 55 war uh i think the big thing i look at is i mean a catcher that was able to bat 300 and have the offensive prime that he did is just something we're, we're probably not going to see uh we might see again but we're just it's something that does not happen very often and and to win the batting title back-to-back seasons and the year he had in 2009 when he won the MVP I think that just speaks enough to me saying yeah he was a catcher and he put up these numbers that's just spectacular like in his prime he was one of the best offensive catchers uh, of all time so I, I got to get a vote for Joe Maurer again I don't think he's getting in this year but um, I definitely would, uh, would would give him a vote as well and then David Wright again it's just it just sucks when you got a guy that had so much talent that just could not put it together in in the health category for a a consistent uh you know 10 or 15 seasons only played 14 years but in a lot of those seasons he did suffer a lot of injuries um you know the last basically the last three four years and seasons he did not get to 40 games so he spent a lot of time on the il and that i think is really going to hurt him i just don't think he has enough of a um of a consistency case to to get in. I, I think that the numbers early on in the career were definitely pointing of a of a Hall of Fame career, but it just it's it's one of those things I just don't know if I could if I could give him a vote for uh for that. But uh that covers the first year guys, Alex. I know we really had four guys that we really could see staying on or getting in Beltre, Maurer, Utley, and Wright. Let's um let's jump to the last year guy, AJ. <laughs> let's jump to Gary Sheffield in his last season. Last year, Alex, he got 55% of the vote. He's got to basically make a 20, 20% jump to get into the Hall of Fame. I think you agree. There's really no shot. I I don't know if there's... Wait, sorry, how much did he have last season? 55%. Last season? He's got to have a 20% jump, which would just be... An absolute climb in his final year we've seen guys get a good chunk of their their best voting seasons in their last year because guys kind of now vote with some urgency you have your 55 percent group and community and now you're probably going to get the 45 percent that say you know what like he's going to earn my consideration this year because it's his final year he might see a good jump he might see a jump towards like 65 to like 70 percent but I just don't know if you could see a jump to 75.
0: Yeah, I think it will be tough. I think the odds are stacked against them. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how much the jump was for
1: um – for Larry, Larry Walker. Walker. I think right. I think it was like close to I'd eh, be good to look up, but Yeah, um, I think
0: it's like fifteen plus percent if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but if you can find that, um I'm not sure if we'll get that. But um I, I do think that it is possible for him to do that. Um I, I really I really struggle to kind of get in the mind of the Hall of Fame voters. It's always so it feels like erratic in my mind. It's very um uh like like you'll you'll just see um kind of I guess not not equal treatment for guys who should be in the same category in my mind like gary sheffield is someone who never served a steroid suspension but was on the list of guys who tested positive in an era where they were not really punishing um he is someone who is a 500 home run guy he has a ton of hits he just was a a guy who put up great offensive seasons, some of the best offense of his era, which was an era with great offensive players. And I think under a completely neutral circumstance where there was no steroid allegations, I'd have no problem saying he's a Hall of Famer. But he is in the same category as Bonds, where both those guys, we know that they did do it, but they um, never were got a suspension and i don't even know if they ever officially tested positive yeah but they were on yeah. these unofficial lists yeah. right and i know sheffield came out recently i think just in the last few weeks saying that he never did it so he's not admitting it um and, and hey maybe travis i don't want to act like i know everything um you know i'm not god maybe whatever list he was on that said that he did do it was uh maybe there was a mistake or something you know Absolutely, i don't yeah. I, I, I don't know for sure But, you know, he is, in my mind, in this group of guys who never served a suspension for it, but probably did it. And for me, he wouldn't really have my vote for that reason, Mm. Um, especially because, I mean, for me, I just have trouble. Like, how could you vote for him if you didn't vote for Bonds, right? Yeah. And I think people have so much of an emotional response to Bonds because they they hate him even more because of how good he became with steroids. But Sheffield just kind of became this... Great, uh, great hitter. Um, not a all-time god-level hitter, but Sheffield Travis, even without the steroids, obviously uh, a really great world-class hitter because um, he put up numbers for a quite a, a long career. Um, so it wasn't just like um, this short peak of power yeah. that that lasted only for like a short steroid period. But yeah. um, I'm rambling a bit. I, I think that Sheffield Travis. Um, you know, I don't think he. I don't think he would have my vote. I think there's other guys who I think are either more complete players or just kind of deserve the consideration a bit more. Um, and like I said, if 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 I knew for a fact that he was completely clean, I would give him a lot more consideration. But I think even just comparing him to other guys, um, you know, of his era, I think the war the war does kind of stack up in terms of saying he should belong. So it, it is kind of tough for me. I'm looking at his Baseball Reference. He has a career sixty WAR. 140 OPS plus on the career with some peak seasons um being pretty much MLB uh, MVP caliber offense, but never quite the defense to uh, make him into like an MVP winner. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I mean, he's got a second place MVP finish in 04, third place finish in 03 um third place finish in 92 so kind of a guy who um all throughout his career was putting up big numbers
1: um, and I'll, yeah. I'll go back to the beginning of uh what we talked about with larry walker larry walker did have a 22 jump in his final year alex so uh it is possible you know a 22 percent jump for him would mean 77 percent which is going to get you in the hall of fame but larry walker was liked by the media he right. did not have any allegations and steroids and all that his big um his big holdback was the Coors field effect. And, you know, was he truly a good hitter? My argument with that is then why do you put a team in Denver? I I just don't get why you would say, oh, like he his numbers are boosted because he plays in Denver. I get that. But at the same time, why do you have a team in Denver if you're just not going to vote for these guys in, in the uh in, when it comes to Hall of Fame voting? But uh, one argument you made last year that was that's definitely kept uh, you know, it stayed with me that it, it was a good argument towards these steroid guys and it was a you know when you were basically arguing for bonds being in the hall of fame you mentioned he just went on god mode but if you just take away the steroids maybe you maybe you drop 15 to 20 percent of the production he's still a five a 500 home run hitter right he still has the numbers that are hall of fame worthy you just add this little bit of a boost to his numbers and now you're looking at you know wow like this guy is definitely going to be not in the hall of fame and and uh it, it's it's just a tragedy to baseball and again it's a very confusing and unconventional time in baseball you know people always say why is the commissioner of baseball in that era in the hall of fame but all of his players are not that just seems a little bit um like a uh, it, it just does it just seems wrong but uh it right. was a good argument that you made that if guys are just going above and beyond and they did steroids but you you know you take a look at them that it, it maybe would you could see a case to why you might vote for them and and, and they could be in the hall of fame because in- even if you take that away they're still all-time great hitters if you take if you take if gary sheffield did steroids and you take him away he probably doesn't hit 500 home runs and i know that's kind of a threshold that a, a lot of us look at but you probably see a, a decline in some of these numbers and then you can maybe see him being more of a i don't know a, a bobby Abreu type hitter or something like that that you might be saying to yourself yeah you know what like is he Bobby Abreu, but worse defense. So right. it, it's it's almost like, do I give him my vote? I don't know. But it's uh, it's something you got to do if you're if you're a voter out there.
0: And that's one of my favorite, like, mindsets to get into um, when trying to assess these steroid guys. And it's very difficult, and I do feel bad because all these guys were put in a really stupid situation mm-hmm. where MLB didn't clean it up properly. And yeah. I can't really blame I, – I really have trouble blaming anyone who took steroids before it was being punished because you saw all your teammates doing it, and they were just getting – monster seasons and pay raises and big contracts like like what like it's allowed i mean it's not being punished so you know i i have a different mindset on it than a lot of people but um there's there's a few different like points that i'm pretty strong on where if i if if i'm pretty sure that you did it and you are barely a hall of famer in my mind like sheffield then i might just take you out of that hall of fame range and then someone like manny travis um you got like suspended like two or three times. Yeah, you got and
1: say with same thing with A-rod too. You got you got two or three warnings and you just kept doing it. And and, and,
0: and, and right. And so and then that comes back to the point that you mentioned that I made about like A rod to me is like on that bonds level of like you are like over a hundred war. Like you're you, God mode yeah. You are yeah. such a lock to be a Hall of Famer, even if you did not do the steroids. And if you want to still punish them for it, then you know, that's your right. Um I can't really knock you for not voting for them. If you feel like they don't have the character or something like that but um yeah I think at the end of the day um I look at I look at these guys um like a Manny saying you know if Manny did not do steroids uh he still hits 500 home runs but I'm not sure how long he's able to stay at that level because he had this whole kind of like second or third act of his career like like the later on with the Red Sox like in the mid to late uh 2000s and even into the Dodgers time where it's like this guy was an elite hitter yeah um where i was i'm pretty much certain he was on steroids during that that time 2008
1: uh uh, second half was uh manny wood (laughs) manny wood which i think we go back and it was like 17 home runs in two months and the ops was at like a 1200 something it was it was an unbelievable run it was an unbelievable second half for manny and even looking at his entire uh, career alex i mean the guy's got an ops of 996 i mean basically almost a career ops of 1000 that right there is just amazing Uh, And all the numbers are just absolutely fantastic.
0: If you look at like, yeah, like the second half of his time in Cleveland uh, through the Dodgers season, pretty much like you're looking at a guy who like every single year, almost he is over a thousand on the OPS uh, several seasons over the one point one for OPS getting top 10 MVP votes, like in a normal situation, this guy is a hall of famer for sure. Um, as a, almost 70 baseball friends wore, and the offense of course is there, but since he was so bad um, on the base pass and defensively, I have to just kind of say, you know, if there was no steroids, how good would you have been in offense and how long would it have lasted? Cause I yep. feel like, He's he's hit he hit like the the early 30s and was still just putting up like you know insane seasons of like yeah. three twenty average four thirty on base six hundred slugging you know? yeah. And yeah it's like you're like 34 35 I mean you know bonds
1: bonds is, is 38 and he's just I mean he's doing numbers that right. I can't explain and you're like a 38 year old should be batting 240 and, and trying to get 15 home runs and, and you're doing it easily.
0: And, and we can, we can kind of circle on these guys for hours, but it, it, it is a tough spot for them to be. And I admit, um, and we all kind of draw our own lines wherever we decide. And I, I just feel like for me, uh, Ramirez, as well as what on this Sheffield, um, it's hard for me to vote for them. I think just given the fact that they're not like these all time lock, uh, just, you know, five tool players, or they're not these all time talents that are just like one of one, like a rod bonds yep. types. That, yep. That's my opinion.
1: Alex, let's just last do the, uh, do this last thing to kind of wrap it up. But, um, you know, I know right now you, I think you're looking at voting for Beltre Mauer, Utley and Wright right now, if you had six more votes Alex, who are those six votes going to, how would you wrap up the rest of this list? If you want to go down the list and take me, talk me through, I don't know if you want to talk through each player, but just give me kind of who you're, you're spending your last six votes on because you do get 10 votes in total.
0: Okay, let me look at the ballot here. If I had 10 votes, I am going to vote for and I assume you're using all 10. I am going to use all 10 using two. <laughs> I think that there is uh too much talent here personally. Yep. Um so we already said uh right, we already said Utley for me. Um I'm going to use a vote on Billy Wagner. Mm-hmm. I think that he deserves it as an all-time reliever. I'm going to use a vote on uh alex rodriguez okay. that's four total votes so far for me um i'm gonna use a vote on andrew jones we covered him a lot last year yep. i think the defense being one of the best center fielders ever and over 400 home runs is a pretty incredible spot to be so that's five votes for me six vote mauer um i'm gonna keep looking seventh vote um todd helton mm-hmm uh my eighth vote adrian beltray gotcha yeah ninth vote i'm gonna vote for bobby abreu he's someone i'm always high on i think that he compares very favorably to a lot of other guys in his era like guerrero like maybe a Bobby, uh, maybe a tony gwen very different from those guys but the value numbers the wars are pretty similar and then i got one more vote and i have to decide if i want to use it on a new guy or an older guy um I'm kind of tossing. Give me in. James Shields. No, 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 no. I think, out of personal bias, I may go ahead and throw it to uh, Francisco Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, I could see myself using it on Carlos Beltran as well. His stats were awesome. I still have some pause about his role in the potential Astros cheating scandal, but I'm gonna vote for Altuve when his time comes. So I can't really be biased and 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 pinned on on Beltran either. Yep. Um. So. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to K Rod for now because I think he needs the vote more than Beltron does. I think Beltron will be absolutely fine. Absolutely, uh, could continue building his own case. Um, so I'm gonna give it to K Rod. Try to keep him on this ballot just because I think that relievers are not represented fairly enough. They don't have enough absolutely. of a pull on this ballot. So that's my ten. You got
1: a ten, Travis? Yeah, I I might see if I have ten, but yeah, I I will say it's you know even if if five of the guys that you vote for you're you're you know very much committed to these guys and you say these guys have to be in the hall of fame at least you could say to yourself I'm going to use my other five votes on guys that maybe aren't high on the percentage but I really do think they should keep they should stay on this ballot because I might give them some higher consideration next year or in the in the future when the ballot might be a little bit weaker I can use some votes to uh, hopefully get these guys in I'll give four votes Uh, To start off with, to Beltre, Maurer, Utley, and Wright. Those are covering my first year guys. So those four guys are getting votes. Uh, I'm going to give another vote to Todd Helton, who's going to be my fifth vote. I'm going to give a vote to Billy Wagner, who's my sixth vote. Andrew Jones is getting my seventh vote. Um, Eighth vote, Alex, I'm going to give it to Carlos Beltran. Ninth vote, I'm going to give it to K-Rod. My tenth vote. I'm keeping to myself. I'm only putting nine votes on this ballot right now, Alex. So we had Abreu and Beltron switch, and then who's the guy you left off that I put? I think you put on A Rod or Manny.
0: Oh, A Rod. Yeah. A-Rod. So yeah. you don't even to vote A Rod.
1: Yeah. I'm not running A Rod. Not running Manny. I again. I Do you,
0: Just quick question. Just mm. you know, do you see yourself voting for A Rod before his time on the ballot expires? I think
1: my. I think I. If you asked me ten years ago, I probably would have said absolutely. Like you're cheaters. You, you guys just don't deserve. I. I see myself in the future i I, you know give it like four years give it like five years you'll probably see myself start saying i don't care anymore like these guys are just absolutely spectacular players you know it's funny you watch some of these documentaries i remember they when they showed the jeter documentary a couple years ago they just highlighted a rod in his mariners in texas ranger days and it's just like oh my god like this is just a complete like stud like jeter was a good player on a absolute dynasty but he was no Alex Rodriguez he was no Nomar Garcia Parra you know these type of players that were just unbelievable superstars that basically carried the team um you know on their shoulders and so i see myself doing that again if if i here's the thing if i vote for A-Rod Alex i probably got also look at Manny i mean looking at Manny's hitting numbers you they really just can't i can't ignore them. they they they're so good and and looking at some of these percentage stats with the average the on base and the slugging it's just you can't ignore that kind of stuff and i feel like when when manny when when my time comes when i vote for alex rodriguez manny will probably be off the ballot so will sheffield i know bonds you know sosa maguire all these guys are off the ballot as well i just think that in a, in you know it, i i think give it some time and you're probably going to see a lot of these voters including me probably start leaning towards you know what we we've we've done into that we've dug into this too much with the whole ethics of baseball and i just think it's time you just got to say what are we doing we just punish you guys by just making you guys wait till this you know till a, a veterans committee in in 25 years when you know he might not be alive anymore and then it's like all right now your time has come we're going to put you in and that 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 does suck that that's a big fear for a lot of these guys I mean I know a lot of guys said oh bonds will get in in the veterans committee one day well what's that one day is it 30 years from now i mean he could be he could be gone and 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 then it's like oh now we feel sorry we're going to put him in now and it's like okay so your punishment was saying wait till you die to put you in. You know, it, it, I know a lot of guys get in veterans committee and it does suck when guys aren't alive. And I think it was a couple of years ago that there was a a handful of veterans committee guys and they were all, they all passed away. I think it was one Dodger, um, a Dodger position player. And it was just kind of like, it's, it's sad that a guy that played in the sixties and fifties is now getting into the hall of fame. And it's like his, his granddaughter's up there receiving the awards, but you know, he wasn't out there receiving the award, but uh, that's my nine votes, Alex um it's it's always fun to talk about this stuff and see who the first year guys are next uh, year we're going to get a brand new you know uh, a fresh new um a fresh new ballot of a of, of first year guys. it's going to be fun to see who we have as automatic write-offs and who are going to be guys that we should be uh keeping on uh for the ballot but yeah
0: I, I have a quick tweet i bookmarked here so this is just based off of the guys who we already know their ballot because um every year when a ballot uh when a voter has the chance to submit their ballot they either say if they want to make it public or if they want to keep it private so these are off the 162 public ballots so far out of like 400 and something right it's about 42 percent of the ballots okay. that we have here and basically um this is the current spot that these guys are at um some of this is surprising but just know that these numbers will change because some of the guys who don't reveal their ballots tend to be the older guys, probably the older voters and tend to be the guys who might be more likely to snub some of these modern players. But at the moment, Beltre is sitting at 98%. Mauer is sitting at 83%. Helton is sitting at 82%. Billy Wagner at 79%. So if the voting ended right this moment, those guys would get in. But obviously, like I said, there's these unknown ballots that are still out there. Um, those ballots might have zero people voted for, right? So Sheffield is at 74%. I expect that number to probably come down once more ballots I, get revealed. I was going to say,
1: I, I, I feel like the numbers do come down. I feel like they, they, they do. the trend is always you're going to get like a good 50% of the ballots. And you could say, man, he's at 75 But when the last 50 come in, those are usually the old school guys. Those are guys that they're going to keep their ballots private and they are—they vote for nobody. They—they <laughs> they, they give you one vote, and it's—it's it's some random guy. Yeah,
0: it's to uh, yeah, it's to Andy Pettit or something. But yeah, Sheffield at seventy-four uh, percent. Andrew Jones seventy-one percent. Carlos Beltran, 66%. A pretty good spot for him, I think. Utley at 45, making good gains there. Arod at 40, uh, a step up from last year, I believe. Obviously, will come down, uh, possibly. Uh, Ramirez, Manny at, se- at 37%. And then it takes a big drop down. Abreu is just at 17%. Pettit at 14%. Um, Jimmy Rollins at 13%. Vizquel below 10%. K-Rod at 7%. David Wright only at 7%. Unfortunate to see him that low um, for me. Uh, Burley at 6%. And then the guys who are below five are Tory Hunter, uh, Batista at just 1%, Bartolo. Uh, Holiday and Martinez all below one percent at the moment, so that's okay. that, that's a little bit surprising there. Yeah. But this data is from uh, Ryan Thibodeau, so thank you to him for compiling this stuff and putting it on Twitter for us to use in the podcast. But this was posted today, so this is like yeah. as of today. Yeah, one week th- left. This yeah. is where this is where these guys are at, and and so more ballots, more ballots are going to come in, and there's more ballots that are already added that just are privated so we'll see how those numbers change um some guys will go up and down um from here so we will continue to track this Travis once we get these uh final uh percentages kind of revealed and we'll kind of discuss you know if we're going to have some new inductees this coming uh summer i do feel good about at least beltre being added this summer i feel pretty
1: good about that do you say do you do you feel any um i guess the big names that i'll ask because they're the the closest to getting in but what about helton wagner um i won't say jones yet i don't think that not quite yet yeah because i mean just having more years left on the ballot it is um it is something i don't think he's going to reach this year but looking at uh helton who is in, in his in his sixth year he's trending uh very nicely to be in the hall of fame and then billy wagner this is his ninth year so it does not get in this year alex if he gets you know 70 to 75 you know 74.9 he's gonna have one more year to to make a um make a claim to be in the hall of fame do you see helton and or wagner getting in uh this year
0: i'll say helton gets in i'll say wagner just well, how many years does wagner have left he's got uh, uh, another one after, after this, this one more
1: year so he's on his ninth year right now but after this vote he'll have one last uh, uh I'll, I'll be on the clock
0: uh it's a random prediction i'll just say helton gets in this year and then wagner has to wait till next year gotcha
1: and then i think we're both in agreeing agreeance that uh Beltre gets in uh this time first ballot yeah okay, i think ballot. that he
0: um will be over 90% for he's sure got, he's possibly got like over 95 90, 90 something
1: more right? I mean it, like I, chipper, chipper jones war.
0: he's in a spot where i feel like any type of voter i can imagine will find something that they could like like yeah. if you like the counting stats he's got the hits and the home runs to Absolutely. make you say yep. he's a hall of famer you know, you're right. if you I, like if you yeah. like the advanced stats his advanced defensive stats are amazing um you know if you love defense he's got that uh if you love longevity he played for so long on good teams early in his career and at the end so a lot to like and
1: i totally forgot he was three thousand hits and i think that's that already i think he's like it's already a lock is he like
0: thirty two hundred hits or something he's got a lot of hits on his career um he
1: has 3166 okay so yeah you're right i mean but i mean yeah you're looking at It's, it's, it's not it's not like he just squeaked over that threshold that and i think he is top 10 all time in doubles he's got 636 doubles and then 477 home runs i think there was a list that was like guys that are like 475 plus in doubles and home runs and it was like i think he was like on a list with like three or four other guys i'd have to look at that or do the do the um do the uh, uh filtering myself but it's it's funny when you can kind of look at like okay let's do a filter of 3000 plus hits 475 home runs and doubles and uh and you know let's just say a, a a defensive metric in there too to help him out it's probably a very short list but Beltre is on that list and it's funny because I mean Beltre he's he's always you know we remember him from his Texas days uh spent a couple of years in Seattle spent a year in Boston spent a good majority also his beginning of his career in um in LA with the Dodgers don't of course remember him very much as a Dodger but that's just because I hadn't been watching the sport but it's just um i think he he was a guy that definitely peaked in uh towards the end of his career His his 30s were very impressive alex with with the with the red Sox and then also with the rangers it was a very impressive finish to his career i don't know what his trends were after his first uh 10 years or so with the dodgers and our seattle because it just seemed like he was a, a good third baseman but just not a uh elite third baseman i think that the last um Last seven years, last eight seven years were uh, were what really got him into the Hall of Fame.
0: And I think I think just before as we wrap up this conversation, I'll just give a few shouts to Beltray just so we can hammer home why we think he's this lock. Um, If you look at the uh, Baseball Reference uh, Jaws leaderboard, Jaws, um, they have War, they have War Seven which War 7 is just your seven best seasons, adding it up, what's that war, so kind of how good was your peak play. Jaws is your average of your war in your War 7, so um, a lot of kind of complicated things there, but it pretty much boils down to say um, he is fourth in Jaws only be, for third baseman, only behind Mike Schmidt, Eddie Matthews, and Wade Boggs. He's above George Brett and Chipper Jones, who are Hall of Famers, above Ron Santo, Brooks Robinson, who are Hall of Famers. He is second all-time in defensive war, uh, by Baseball Reference for third baseman behind only Brooks Robinson, ahead of everyone else. Scott Rowland just got into the Hall of Fame. He's got 70 career WAR. We said Beltre is at 93 and a half. If you look at WAR seven, so how good was your prime? Beltray is at 48.7 war for his seven best seasons that's above chipper jones that's above brooks robinson that's above paul Molitor, who's in the hall of fame that's above scott Rowland, who's in the hall of fame edgar martinez who's in the hall of fame um you know I and mean, then you look at some of these older school guys homerun baker is above him he's in the hall of fame like Uh, Some of these guys that made the cut already in the hall of fame, um, their numbers don't compare to a guy like Adrian Beltre, especially that 93.5 career war that we mentioned, Travis, that's third all time actually in terms of total war only behind Matthews and Mike Schmidt. So, Um, he's in truly the most elite elite company when it comes to the war the value type stats because of how good his defense was and he was a great hitter for many many years Um, only four all-star game appearances which is a lot less than these other guys we're discussing I mean Schmidt Matthews Boggs Brett uh, Brooks Robinson all have like double-digit all-star games only four for Beltre is a bit surprising but it kind of goes to show he was a bit under the radar and people didn't really know how to value that defense i guess for a lot of his career until the end he started getting tons of gold gloves but even a platinum glove i believe but travis um that's just a quick praise for him
1: um anything else before we wrap up here nothing else i think it was a good uh conversation on that and i think i think it'll be him and uh todd helton joining uh jim leland (laughs) we didn't really cover alex but he's uh he's going in as a manager good good for
0: him yeah so not much uh, to say
1: leland will be making a speech and then you got uh todd helton and uh adrian beltray uh as i see making speeches this summer in cooperstown and then hopefully a lot of these guys following after years um uh after this year's ballot but uh yeah excited to see the results and excited to see hopefully these free agents start signing as we kind of covered uh briefly on the news of the last month and it's it's crazy I'm basically a month away we're getting uh about four or five weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting it's typically always the week after the super bowl super bowl is on february 11th so we should see that week between the 12th and the, uh, I think it's the 17th that uh, pitchers and catchers start reporting. I've already seen some managers already uh, reporting to their uh, spring training sites, Alex. I mean, it's really cool to see. I already saw um, Ron Washington for the Angels has already been reporting to Tempe, which it's, uh, I like that. I like that already. It's a guy that's committed and focused. I think I saw him working with some of the younger guys that have actually wanted to report early and are starting to do some of the, are uh, the, um, the winter bowl. Uh, uh, practices out there, but uh, it's 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 cool to see some of these managers, at least with the with the first year manager for the Angels, and we're on uh, already showing the fans that uh, that he is uh, committed to this team, and you know, hopefully the ownership is too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's
1: all good. We can go on on that, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to right. go a roller coaster, but yeah,
0: yeah, we'll we'll get into more of that stuff in the coming episode, the coming weeks. Here, last thing I want to mention for this episode before we uh, wrap up recording. I wish we could have covered it a bit more, a bit earlier, right when it happened. This is something that came out um, at the end of December, uh, right before Christmas. Um, Alana Rizzo, Travis, uh, MLB Network Analyst, or however you want to call her, she posted her uh, top 10 players to debut since 2009. Travis, I don't know what inspired this list in terms of saying debuted from 2009. I guess it's like uh, the last 15 years is one way to
1: put it but um it's probably the worst list i've and i've seen some bad lists it's it's probably one of the it is probably the worst list of it, of my lifetime
0: it, it, it's just a classic like i don't know what the methodology was it feels like you pick names out of a hat but um she went ahead and put top 10 players to debut since 09 number one freddie freeman number two jose altuve number three mookie betts number four buster posey number five bryce harper number six, Corey Seager, number seven, Manny Machado, number eight, Mike Trout, number nine, Nolan Arenado, and number 10, Salvador Perez. Charles, I'll just say this. Um, The only way I can see Trout being that low is if you're just crazy about like playoff stuff. But that doesn't even really add up because, um, I mean, what what was Machado done in the playoffs at a high level uh, to be up there? Above Trout. Like he's had some decent runs in the playoffs and he's made a World Series, but I don't really see him as like having these heroic moments. He doesn't have any like, you know, championship series MVP, like World Series MVP type performances. Um, and she said that the reason for Trout being so low was like an injury track record. Well, I mean, look no further than Corey Seager, who's had tons of injuries. Um, you know, Buster Posey kind of retired young for many people's standards. Um, you know, I think that Harper's had his fair share of injuries, and then Aronado being ninth also feels quite low compared to some of the guys above him. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a very odd list. Um, it I, is pretty funny, yeah. yeah. It, I I wish we could have we could have spent more time on it if it was um, less action on the free agent market that we had to cover. But I just want to throw a bit of shade her way, and you know, this is all just you know, you know. I don't want actual, you know. She's fine, you know. She, she, it, 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 it's exactly. it, it's whatever. No 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 actual hard feelings, but like I just see a lot of consistently whack takes, like a lot of anti, a lot a lot of like pro East Coast takes from her, which um, is weird
1: because she's she spent time with the Dodgers for so long, and and you think she'd be a lot of uh, she really pro on the West Coast. Uh, and I will style, say yeah. her
0: her top four players are on West Coast teams, but she's always had something against the Angels. Um, I know for sure. Um, I just don't really get how Trout can be eighth. I mean, it's it, it's just like yeah trout has something i mean if you completely ignore that Trout has all these guys like doubled in career war if you start out the door and just say like okay let's look at mvps trout has more than all these guys let's just look at peak season Trout's better than all these guys let's look at like hardware trust better than all these guys i mean the only thing you really have is the playoff stuff because even if you say trout gets hurt a lot he still has like the most games played of all these guys at least up there towards the very tippy top so absolutely
1: yeah um yeah it's um on. it's it's at least something fun to talk about. It is. It's it, it creates the best conversations because I, I think that, that just the comments are what I enjoy the most is when you go and di- take a dive into the comments and you got guys that... I mean, the, one, the, the funny ones are like Salvador Perez. Like Salvador Perez, I think is a... He's been a good catcher in his career, but it's just funny that guys that debuted, you know, much later on than 2009... They are already superstars uh, compared to what Salvador Perez has done in his career. But like you mentioned, I think we talked about it at the beginning, but Otani, Acuna, Soto, there's so many guys that they are just not throwing out there that it's just kind of like, I don't care if Otani debuted in 2018, he's still as of right now is a better baseball player than salvador perez and salvador perez probably debuted i think in like 2011 or 12 or 13 one of those years but
0: you're right i, I completely forgot to mention the guys who were left off the top yeah,
1: 10 yeah, yeah. And, and they're and they're and alex we can make a top 10 that was not mentioned on this list and it would just be it would go toe to toe with this one right here and and, yeah. and it's just funny to look at too when, i mean otani has three seasons that are better than all these guys like absolutely. it's crazy and and even if you want to go on recency bias i don't know exactly what date this was posted i think it was in the off season i'm, I'm more than it was yeah. it was December okay and then even if you want to go with just what the most recent bias wouldn't you put Corey Seager at number one because he was just a superstar this year I mean it's 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 funny seeing Freeman at being number one yeah I know Freeman's been an unbelievable player his entire career but I just I I, I also look at the order for some of these guys and it's like so and and why and I, po- mean, I, I think you if you know. just if you just
0: asked if you just asked like every MLB writer who's been the best player since 09 I think like none of them would say freddie freeman absolutely like like absolutely. and and, that, and i love freddie he's such a good player but he's just a first baseman who's a really good hitter the like there's no postseason angle like he has one world series it's like it was a great run but he he's not like a he's not a postseason like superhero like harper he has
1: there are probably guys like david ortiz that are on people's lists and they're just like i know he retired in 2016 but he's better than these guys like there are yeah. probably guys that have not been playing for five years and they're like well, I think this guy was better and he's not even playing anymore, but he's on my uh, you know, top 10 players debut and since 2009, but it is
0: the, the, there's just a lot of funny comments. Like a lot of Angel fans are obviously mad about Trout's placement. Like someone said Trout averages if you take out 2020 the short season, uh Trout averages 120 games a year, Seeger averages 107 games a season, and obviously Trout's been active for a lot longer. Uh Freeman has twenty five hundred more plate appearances, but twenty-seven less career war than Trout. And obviously Freeman's like a he's like a net he's like a net zero defensively as a first baseman. People say Trout's like, oh, Trout's not an elite defender in center field. Whether or not he is, he still plays center. It's like the value is so much higher than like a a, a first baseman or a DH. Um
1: but and guess then, what? Guess what? Alana Alana Rizzo won because we're talking about it. Hey, she, she's getting she's getting the coverage from two she, tools. The, the clickbait was the automatic win there, and she, you know, I, I think I think we should just make a ridiculous list, Alex, and make the top pitchers since you know two thousand, and 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 we could probably put – top ten MLB uh, network reporters. I'm gonna since put I'm gonna pitchers since two thousand uh, to debut since two thousand. The top ten, I will probably put like Spencer Strider number one.
0: I might put I'm thinking uh, and like Kershaw
1: might, Kershaw might be like number like seven because I'll just be like his back. He's just been injured too much. So like you can't put him there, but it's like it's from 2000 and he started his career in like 2007, but he's just been he's been hurt.
0: We can make fun of this for hours, Travis, <laughs> um, but we will we will not do that. We'll spread the listeners. That's all I have, Travis, for this episode Um, in the coming weeks we will go ahead and continue the coverage still waiting on some serious uh, headlines to come before spring training begins we're hoping to learn about Snell's landing spot Cody Bellinger still due to pick a team to sign with I'm wondering how these guys uh, what kind of deals they end up signing after seeing some of the big money being dealt out by some of these contending teams so Charles, we will cover all that and more Uh, in the next few weeks here before spring training really starts to ramp up. We will also cover in the coming weeks top 10 position players at every position, top 10 starting pitchers, all that kind of fun stuff because MLB Network is already doing their lists and they already have tons to to complain about Travis. So we will cover that uh, very soon here. A lot to come uh, as we start heading towards spring. So please join us for that ride. If you made it this far, thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Presented by... Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>